Good morning. You made it to Tuesday. I think that's today, right? Okay, good. I was going to say we would have a problem because I'm on the wrong lesson if, if it's not Tuesday. Great to see you all. Last night, we discussed the beauty of the cross. Yesterday, we went through a lot, and I really appreciate you all listening well. You seem very attentive and interested, um, and again, like Hayward just prayed, we hope that you are even more than just interested in this, that it is not just interesting to you or easy to listen to, but that it is everything to you, that if you lost everything else in your life, but still had Jesus, you would be able to say, I'm not lost. I remember speaking to <clears throat> one of my coworkers during seminary. This was probably about five, five and a half, six years ago. Actually, probably about five and a half. Because my coworker um, found out my wife and I were having Grayson, and I was just explaining to him something about the hope that we have in Christ. And I remember looking at him and sometimes like we do in church, you just assume that you're talking to another saved person, another person that knows the Lord. And I remember looking at this man and saying, you know what, I want to tell you something. The hope we have in Christ means this, that even if God decided to take my wife, my children, everything from me, that I am not a lost man. And I ended that with uh, this question, kind of just subconsciously saying, you know what I mean? You know how we say that sometimes? You know what I mean? And he looks at me and he's like, I, I don't know what you mean. I don't understand what you just said. And it clicked in my head that, of course he doesn't. He doesn't see Christ as worthy. He hasn't bowed the knee to Christ. Therefore, when he loses things in his life, his whole world crashes down around him. But for those who know Christ, if you know him, you have everything you could ever want or need. And that's what's interesting about this because yesterday, of course, we started the morning session with establishing in order to see Christ as worthy, you must see yourself as completely unworthy, not just not as worthy as Christ, but completely unworthy. The only thing you are worthy of is eternal damnation because of your sins. And it is only when you see that that you will start to see the message of the cross as desirable and beautiful. And that's what we talked about last night. We kind of did this surface pan across the Bible about how the cross is the central moment, the pinnacle moment in all of history. It is all of what prior to the cross the Old Testament was pointing towards, and it is what everyone who lives beyond the cross, for those who are in Christ, look back to and say, it is because of Jesus' work that I am saved. We talked about that, but we didn't get to zoom in on it uh, quite as much as I would want to. So we're going to continue talking about the cross today, but zooming in and looking at it from different angles, right? And I want to remind you of something. For the Christian in this room, you never graduate past the cross in the sense that there is something else that you're just going to graduate to where you don't need the cross any longer. You don't need to talk about the cross Remember what we said. What did Paul say? I boast in nothing except the cross of Christ. You never graduate. You can never talk about it enough. If we talked about the cross of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, every moment of every day for the rest of our lives, it wouldn't be enough. Because it is only by the cross that we can be saved and some of you in this room might be like, well, I'm, ar I'm already a Christian, so why do we need to talk about the cross? Oh, you will never grow in your faith if you're not gazing at the cross. 
because it is out of gratitude and out of worship that you obey God. You want to put off sin in your life? Look at the cross. Consider what he's done for you, and you will say, I see him as worthy. These other things are not. And for those of you who don't know Christ, this cross is your only hope. But the reason why it's worth zooming in on is because if I make a broad statement about something, it it might not be fully appreciated. Um, For example, if I tell you my wife Victoria is a godly woman, you would learn something about her, right? You would say, okay, that's good to know. Victoria is a godly woman. But if I just stopped at that, that would be very general. It wouldn't be looking at it from different angles. It wouldn't be zooming in and considering, wait, how is she a godly woman? But if I was to say, she's a godly woman. She loves me unconditionally. She loves the Lord. She loves to read her Bible. She supports me and encourages me. She manages the household very well. She not only prepares meals, but she constantly points our children to Christ. She is a selfless friend who cares about others and tries to encourage them. She seeks to honor the Lord in everything she does. Do you see how that is much deeper than a surface statement of just saying she's a godly woman? I have now shown you how she is a godly woman. If I just make the statement, the cross of Christ is our only hope. And just leave it at that. Yes, that is great news. But we need to dive in further and see how it is your only hope and why it is your only hope. Of course, we've already seen because we're dead, we need saving, we need life. But today we're going to talk about very specific aspects of you want to know how you can be saved. The cross is the solution to that. How is it the solution to that? That is the question we're going to answer as we go through some of these things. And firstly, I want to mention this. It is on the cross and at the cross where Jesus became sin for us. He didn't just become sin for us, but he became sin for us in order to give us his righteousness. If you want a verse for that, it is 2 Corinthians 5.21. says this, The word of God, your creator, says this, He, God the Father, made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin. Remember we talked about yesterday, he never sinned. He knew no sin, but he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Think about that for a moment. God the Father made his son, Jesus Christ, who did not deserve to be made sin. He made him sin. And we'll talk about what that means in a moment. He, though he knew it not, so that you would become the righteousness of God in him. And I want to illustrate this point. So I've asked a couple guys, um, Mason Hogan, come on, make yourself up here. Got to illustrate this for you all. Let's hear it for Mason and Hogan. All right, so Mason, come over here. Hogan, you can be right here. They were told to do this. So Mason, you get to be the sinner. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was the most easy uh, thing. Hogan strikes me as far more holy. <laughs> Probably right. He says, he says, go ahead and put that on. All right. So, on the cross, what's interesting here, we have, we have sin represented. As you can see, what once was a white shirt is now marred and tainted by sin. Sinners left with their sin will die. Jesus, you get to be Jesus. Good job, Hogan. You knew no sin, perfect holiness. Here's the problem. How can this dwell with this? 
How can unholiness dwell with holiness? The only way that happens is through the work of the cross, okay? Because what happens here is this. Go ahead, switch shirts. Switch shirts. Give him your one. Here we go. Go ahead, hand it to him. Wow, he was nice and made yours better. Go ahead, put that on. Through faith in Jesus Christ, the sinner now receives the righteousness of Christ. But look, Jesus became sin who knew no sin, which means he took on all of the sin of everyone he came to die for. But did Jesus stay sin? No, because what happens is, take the shirt off, what happens is on the cross through the shed blood of Christ, through the shed blood of Christ, go ahead, put it on this way. Let me help you. There you go. Through the shed blood of Christ that cleanses, he takes your sin, he has paid for it, and now there is no sin. Turn this way so we can't see the sin. There we go. There we go. This is what happens. The sinner who believes gives their sin to Christ. Christ on the cross pays for the sin. Where does the sin go? It's gone because it's been paid for by Christ. This is our only hope. You guys are done. Get off the stage. Good job. You did it. You can keep the shirt and throw it away if you want. Sometimes we forget about this great exchange. Yes, it's a silly example with t-shirts, but it is so true. Because you are the sinner. You're the one who is deficient and lacking and dirty and unable to dwell with Jesus because of your sin. He, Jesus, became sin who knew no sin so that you would become the righteousness of God. And that happens through the blood on the cross. This is why Revelation says, worthy is the lamb who was slain because it is by that blood that sin is taken away. Look with me at Isaiah 53. I want you to see this idea of him becoming sin. If you turn kind of the middle of your Bible, you'll be kind of close. If you go to Jeremiah, you've gone too far. Isaiah 53 I would encourage you all to, I mean, if, you, if you'd like to, if you write in your Bible, to put a star next to this passage. This is one of the greatest passages in all of Scripture. It is also very humbling when you consider this passage. Remember when we said he became sin. That doesn't mean Jesus was a sinner. Because we talked about if Jesus sinned, he could not save you. But he became like a sinner in that the punishment handed out for your sin was given to him. You say unfair, I say you're right. That is unfair. Isaiah 53, look with me at verse 3 just so we can see. This is a prophecy, by the way. This is far before Jesus ever came. You want to know if the Bible is trustworthy and true? Consider some prophecies. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. This is talking about Jesus Christ. This is talking about those who don't see him as worthy. Jesus walked with mankind and they rejected him. They did not esteem him. They despised him. They hid their face from him. Verse 4, Surely 
our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken smitten of god and afflicted but he was pierced through for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the chastening for our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging we are healed all of us like sheep have gone astray each of us have turned to his own way but the lord god the father has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him his son moving past this go to verse 10 this is what we alluded to last night it is one of the most profound verses in all of scripture in my opinion because i cannot fully wrap my head around the love of god for us it doesn't make sense because we are unworthy he loves us so much that verse 10 is true but the lord god the father was pleased satisfied to what to crush his son he was pleased to crush him putting him to grief if he would render himself as a guilt offering he will see his offspring he will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the lord will prosper in his hand as a result of the anguish of his soul he will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge the righteous one my servant will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities we'll pause there that is so profound mark isaiah 53 verse 10 in your bibles when you for a moment are doubting that god loves you and by the way that will come you are not that doesn't mean you're not saved if you doubt god's love for you at times sometimes circumstances or bad things happen in life where you say i'm not sure that god loves me because what i see doesn't seem like he actually loves me consider that it was the will of the lord and it pleased god to crush his son so that you would be saved that will quench the doubts you want to know if god loves you i don't care what your circumstances say he crushed his son for you jesus became sin and he bore the full and complete wrath of god on sin it was as if he sinned why did he do it second corinthians 5 21 which we read earlier says so that we might become the righteousness of god that righteousness that you don't have that you desperately need is only found through the work of jesus christ this is the great exchange that takes place when you look in faith on the cross when you look and live that is how you live your sins were paid for by jesus christ secondly on the cross and again we alluded to this a little bit last night jesus became a curse for you remember the old testament law said cursed is he who hangs upon a tree why did they say that it was because on the cross or when somebody was hanged on a cross it was because they committed a crime worthy of death so you would look at them as you passed by and you would say cursed of god they have sinned and fallen short this is their judgment jesus hung on the cross as one who was cursed why did he do it galatians 3 13 through 14 says this christ redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us why so that we would receive the promise of the spirit through faith this is a sacrifice 
we cannot even fathom. He became a curse. The one who had no reason to be on that cross hung on the cross to become a curse for you. Hebrews says he despised the shame, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? You! You were the joy to purchase you. He despised the shame, but he looked at you and said, it's because of them that I will gladly endure the cross. I will become a curse because you need to be released from the curse. You say, well, what curse am I under? You are under the curse of sin, which always ends in death. You are all under that curse. We all need rescue from that curse. And the only way that could happen was if someone took our curse. Not only this, thirdly, on the cross, Jesus Christ entered the holy place, the dwelling place of God as the high priest, and he offered himself as a sacrifice. This is something that maybe we don't appreciate as much because we don't have a sacrificial system that we, we do over and over again. But I want you to understand the significance of this. In the Old Testament, under the Mosaic Law, the high priest would act as a mediator between one party and another. The parties that the high priest mediated between was God and man. The high priest would go into the holy place and offer a sacrifice, which, by the way, was the shedding of blood, which we've talked about. Shedding of blood is required for payment. He would do this day after day, year after year. It would be a constant reminder of sin. I want you to think of how bloody it was every day. Sacrifices constantly being offered to point to something. The problem was, though, that high priest of old could not take their sins away. How do I know this? You go to the Bible. Hebrews 10, 3 through 4 says this, But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins year by year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It was impossible for the sins to be removed by, a blood, by the blood of an animal. This high priest of Israel could never fully atone, no matter how genuine this high priest was, no matter how well they offered the sacrifice, they could not pay for sins. That means the Old Testament is screaming for the need for someone better. Screaming. The Jews would probably would have wanted a better high priest. Why do we have to offer a sacrifice year after year? It's because it can't fully atone. We need one who can fully pay for sins. Hebrews 9, 11 through 12 says this. Listen to this closely. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come. He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this creation. Are you following? Jesus entered into the dwelling place of God, not on earth, but truly into the presence of God. And he did not do it through the blood of goats or calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Do you want to know why we don't continue to sacrifice day after day? It's because it's done. Remember what we said last night on the cross? He said, it is finished. No more sacrifices are needed. He went in once for all. He didn't have to redo it. 
once for all obtained eternal redemption. But this high priest was unique. He didn't come in with a lamb. He came in as the lamb. This high priest atones for your sins by offering himself. You see why this is foolishness to the world? Nobody could contrive this. This is only of God. The need for a better high priest and a better sacrifice that could actually save has come in Jesus Christ. His blood is sufficient. That is why you can say Christ is worthy because of what he's done. And this gets us to point number four. On the cross, Jesus did what no one else could do. You could never atone for your sins. You could never go in as the high priest and pay for your sins. There wasn't a sacrifice good enough. You could not have offered yourself because you are a blemished sacrifice. I could never pay for your sins. The most holy person you can think of could never pay for your sins because they're not spotless. Not only that, but they're not God. They wouldn't be able to fully endure the wrath of God in a small amount of time for you. It would be impossible. There is no other way. You see, Jesus Christ meets our need of a new Adam, a new representative. Yesterday morning we talked about in Adam, the first Adam, we all sinned. And sometimes we don't like that idea of being represented by someone else. That's not fair, we say. But remember, we spoke about this. Jesus becomes the second Adam, the better Adam, the final Adam. He comes, and this is why we don't say that Jesus was just God. He had to be man. You know why? Because you are mankind. You need someone to represent you. This is why John 1 says he took on flesh so he could represent you. But he couldn't give up his godness either. Not that that would be possible. But he couldn't possibly give that up because it is only by his deity that he is able to be perfect and completely endure the wrath of God that was meant for you. You want to know a verse that says this? And again, you should be asking, where is this in the Bible? Get used to asking this. If you ever sit under teaching... I don't care if it's at your home church or somewhere when you, when you grow up and you go somewhere else and there's not scriptures saturated in the lesson, you need to look for a new church. You need to weigh it with scripture. If what I say sounds good but I can't back it up in scripture, you don't have to believe it. Romans 5, 17-19 says this, For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one. So he's saying, if by the sin of one, Adam, death reigned through this man, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, so then, as, the, as through one transgression there res resulted condemnation for all men, we talked about that, in Adam all die. So through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification and life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Jesus is the only way. He is your new representative through faith. You will die being represented by one. You want that representative to be Christ. You desperately need it. Because if he does not represent you, you die in your sins. This is why it is of faith 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not a result of works. Why? So that you wouldn't boast. You say, well, I don't like that. I'm sorry you don't like it. You don't get to boast. You're not worthy of it. Jesus alone is worthy. It is his gift that he gives to you through faith. Fifthly, on the cross, cross, Jesus purchased and offers forgiveness. I don't know if we fully appreciate that sometimes, but it doesn't feel good to not be forgiven. And, And I'm just even talking on a surface level with each other. When you know you've offended someone and You have even maybe sought forgiveness, but they do not extend it. That doesn't feel great. That weight is still on you. This, to the millionth degree, should be how we feel without Christ. You need forgiveness. You desperately need it. And unlike sinful man, do you know what the Bible promises? It's not... Depends on the mood of God when you ask for forgiveness, if he'll forgive you or not. That's how man operates. It depends. Hmm, I don't know if I want to forgive you. That was pretty bad what you did to me. You sure you're not going to do it again? If you're sure, then I'll forgive you. How are you going to repay me if you really want my forgiveness? These are all contrivances of man. That is not the forgiveness of God. And you don't go to God with the possibility he will reject you. You want to know why I know this? The word of God. 1 John 1.9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And he goes further to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a promise. He is faithful. Confess your sins to God. By the way, he already knows them. (laughs) You're not going to, you're never going to get God to say, oh, I can't believe you did that. He's known it. He knew before you were even going to do it. He knew you even when he was hanging on the cross. You know why we know that? Because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. None of your sins are a surprise to him. He bled and died for them. So you confess them and you can trust. He is faithful and righteous to forgive you. He promises he will do it and he will deliver. Psalm 103 verse 12 is one of my favorite passages in all the scriptures because when you see the weight of your sin that desperately needs forgiveness for the first time, like I'm talking about the sin is heavy upon you and you see your desperate need for forgiveness and you see Christ as the only way to be forgiven and you put your faith in him. Psalm 103.12 is true for you. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. They are gone. Oh, to be forgiven. What a beautiful thing. To know God through Christ and his work on the cross and through your faith He smiles upon you. He is not an enemy. He does not hold your sin against you because he sees you clothed in Christ's righteousness. And this is why also on the cross, sixthly, Jesus purchased and offers for us justification and peace says this in Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified or justification is a big word simply meant to say you are declared righteous 
a verdict has been given. The verdict is in. Not guilty. That's what it means to be justified. And the only way that verdict comes in is if someone else takes your guilt. That's why we talked about he became sin who knew no sin so that you would be declared not guilty. And it's because of this verdict through faith in Christ that you have peace with God. There are some of you, and I want you to think right now, if I asked you this question, are you at peace? And I don't just mean with your peers. I'm talking about in the darkest places of your heart, the innermost Generally speaking, those who are not at peace try to drown out the noise with something. It doesn't even have to be something extreme like drugs or alcohol. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about distractions. When you're not at peace, you love to drown it out. That is why you need to listen this week when you have limited distractions. Because... Your natural flesh wants to do away with the truth. Listen to this. Listen, maybe this is some of you, maybe this describes some of you right now in your hearts. When I read these verses, this may be you. When I kept silent, Psalm 32 says, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality, my life was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. For those of you who are not at peace, this is a massive weight on your soul. It is so much so that food doesn't satisfy. It is so much so that friends can't drown it out. Activities can't take it away. You groan, though maybe not outwardly, but inwardly, day and night, day after day after day. Why? Because you're hanging on to your sin. You're not looking to Christ. So, what do you do? That psalm continues. Isn't it interesting how the Word of God, it's like it was made for us. It's like it tells us stuff that's really important. Verse 5 I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they will not reach him. This is the time that he may be found. Confess your sins. You want peace? You want to be justified? You want to be forgiven? Confess your sins to God. Put your hope in Christ and you will be forgiven. And you will have peace. Not only this, seventhly, through the cross, you re receive adoption as sons of God. 1 John 3.10 from the scriptures tell us that there are two types of children. And by the way, I am sensitive in this room. You may not have a great home life. You may not have a good father figure or a good mother figure or who, whoever in your life. I don't know what home life you come from, but even beyond that, in the invisible realm, there are really only two types of children in this world. 1 John 3.10 says there are the children of God and there are the children of the devil. That is even more significant than who your earthly parents are. You're either a child of God or a child of the devil. You either are submitting to the ways of the world and you follow your father, the devil. Or you have seen Jesus Christ and you are now adopted as a son. Galatians 3.26 says this, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. It is through faith 
in the work of Christ on the cross that you transfer families. You shouldn't like your current family if you're lost. Your father, the devil, he doesn't even try to hide it. He wants you dead. And he may deceive at times and make that, look, that death look nicer than at other times, but he's very clear. He wants you to rebel. He wants you to die. He is cruel and harsh. He's the one that immediately will try to lead you into sin, and then as soon as you're in sin, points at you and say, look at you. He's a cruel father. You say, well, I don't have a good father. Well, this father's even worse. This father, there is no redeeming quality in this. He only wants your destruction. He hates God. But your father in heaven truly wants what's best for you. He wants what you so desperately need. He wants you to see his son. That's why it pleased him to crush his son so that you would see him. Not only this, eighth, through the cross, you have a new identity. There are so many things we like to identify ourselves as. And this is especially true in the culture today. But in Christ, this is your preeminent identity. Galatians 3, 28 through 29 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. That's not saying that those things don't exist. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is what he's saying. When you believe, you are in Christ first. Everything else is behind that identity. Nothing else is greater than that. In Christ. And if you are in Christ, Galatians says, you are heirs according to promise. You might say, well, I'm not sure what type of inheritance my parents are going to give me. Does it really matter? This world's going to fade away. Even if you were given a trillion dollars, that'd be cool and all for a few years. Then you die and you can't take it with you. But to be identified in Christ and to have your Father be God means you are heirs according to promise. Heirs to what? Eternal life. Ninth, through the cross, Jesus offers you hope. We don't need to spend a lot of time on this point, but it is good to be reminded without the cross, there's no hope. We pack it up we go home, we're wasting our time. You have no ability to save yourself. It is only through Christ that you can be saved. Right now, for those of you who don't know Christ, you're sitting on death row because of your sin. No way out. And you're justly put there. This isn't unfair, by the way. You've offended a most holy God. He didn't need to provide a way, but he does by crushing his son for you on the cross. Tenth, through the cross, Jesus offers you joy. We alluded to this in yesterday's morning session. This is one of the greatest fallacies or misconstruments of Christianity in the world. To be a Christian means you got to give up your joy you got to give up the pleasures of this world. To follow God sounds restricting. I don't want to have to give up my freedoms. Friends, you got to know you're enslaved to something. You're enslaved either to Christ, in whom there's freedom, or you're slave to your own desires. You are enslaved. The problem is, is that your shackles aren't often seen. In Christ, there is true joy. Any seeming joy that the world has to offer is fleeting. It is momentary. I liken it to cotton candy. I think cotton candy is of the devil. 
personally. It is a beautiful symbol of sin. That is why I hate cotton candy. Because the moment you put it in your mouth, it's gone. I hate it. I want to enjoy it. It is gone, and then I've got dust on my tongue. I hate it. Get out of here with your cotton candy. I don't want it. I say sin of, of the devil. But that is how sin is. It looks so good. It's so billowy and fluffy and nice. Let me just have some. You taste it. It's gone. And then it gives you a stomachache. That's how all sin is. But infinitely worse, of course. I know that's a silly example, but infinitely worse. You consume sin. It may taste good for a few moments. And by the way, a few moments can be years. It might taste good for years, but it always destroys. And you might say, well, I've seen a lot of sinners get away with a lot of things. Criminals sometimes don't get caught. One, you don't know uh, the turmoil that's going on in their heart. Secondly, they have an eternity of judgment awaiting them. Sin always will be punished, even if I told you for the rest of your life you could get away with whatever sin you wanted. If I told you you'll never be caught, it's still not worth it because you've got an eternity of judgment coming. And it's just and it's good because of sin. So in Jesus, though, those fleeting pleasures, the seeming freedoms that you have to enjoy the pleasures of the world, those, yes, you're not supposed to do those anymore, but you have freedom in Christ. You say, how is it free to follow Christ? It's because in obeying Christ, there is joy. It's not just for the life to come. It's for now. The most joyful people on this planet are those who know Christ. You know how we can know that? It's because true joy is only found in Christ. Anybody else is just putting on a smile. It's temporary. And I have no idea where I'm at with time, so I better wrap up. But the question is this. You've heard the message of the cross. You've heard it probably before. But you've heard it over these past couple days. You've been shown how unworthy you are. You have seen that the cross is the solution. The work of Christ on the cross is your only hope. What will you do? It's not enough to know some stuff about the cross. It's not enough to be able to say things about the cross. It's not enough to be able to say that sounds good and all. That's really nice of God. No, it's not enough. Do you see him as worthy? Do you see him as worthy of your whole life, of your whole being? Do you see him as far more worthy than anything else? Just like you are always enslaved to something, you're also always worshiping something. You're always seeing something as worthy. The question is, what do you see as worthy? And the goal of this week is, if you see, you're saying something is worthy, but it's clearly not, look to Christ, see his infinite worth, and say, I gladly laid that down. Bow the knee. Confess your sins Run in faith. Who could possibly show you more love? Who could possibly show you more love than Jesus Christ? I'm telling you right now, your future spouse won't be able to do it. I love my wife. She cannot love me like Christ loves me. I cannot love her like Christ loves her. I can't do it. You're trying to look for a greater love? There's no greater love. Who is more worthy of your praise? Who could possibly offer you something better? Remember, that's the same thing that got Adam and Eve into this whole mess to begin with. God was enough. Someone had to tell them, are you sure about that? Is God really enough? Friends, he is enough. 
So run in faith to the one who through the cross became sin for you so that you would be clothed in righteousness, became a curse so that you wouldn't bear the curse, who offered himself as the sacrifice before God as the high priest, who did what no one could ever do for you, who offers you forgiveness, peace, adoption, a new identity, hope, joy, and eternal life. Bow the knee. Do it today. Let's pray. Lord, we need you. Believers in this room desperately need you. Unbelievers in this room desperately need you. We pray that you would move through your gospel, through truth. Lord, I pray that each student in this room would examine their own hearts this week, that they would be honest with themselves and ask, am I at peace? Or am I trying to drown out the noise? I pray that there would be moments this week where there's just quiet, where there's just each student in their own thoughts, in their own minds, that they would consider these things. And most of all, Lord, we pray that your spirit would quicken these words of truth in the hearts of these students, that they would see you as worthy. Please help us, Lord. We need it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.